Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making Coastal Mississippi such an amazing place to live work and play. Hey, just a couple of things to talk about before we get to our guests. First of all, we launched a new show on Super Talk called Super Talk Outdoors. We actually launched it last Monday. Uh, so for people who love to hunt and fish, I had uh, Jimmy Primos and Brad Ferris, and I also replayed a little section of my conversation with Will Primos. Terrific conversation. And then uh, then Monday, I had a conversation with uh, the folks from Mossy Oaks, Cuz Strickland. You've, you, for if you, again, if you enjoy the outdoors, you know Cuz. They had number one shows on the Outdoor Channel and other outdoor channels for many years. And then I had um, Toxie Hayes, who started Mossy Oaks right here in Mississippi. So, you know, we have so many ambassadors, so many entrepreneurs that have done great things that have gone way beyond Mississippi. And through the show Super Talk Outdoors, I get a chance to tell that across the Super Talk Network. So we're excited about what that show is doing. So if you enjoy the outdoors, uh, tune in. I think you'll enjoy it. It's every Monday at 9. And of course, you can have access to it on your favorite podcast or YouTube or Facebook, however you come to it. And I also want to thank my buddy Kyle, my partner in crime, who also produces that show. We have to do that show a little different. Uh, whereas Kyle's producing everything related to Coastal, excuse me, Coastview, we're having to send segments up to um to Jackson while we're doing the show. We do the show, we record the show at nine o'clock. It plays at noon. So that's a little bit of a different process when we're doing same day, et cetera. But anyway, uh, a lot of fun. And I, I'm so passionate about the outdoors. I talk about, it's going to give me a chance to talk about coastal Mississippi and what's so great about this amazing place to the rest of the state. And I, I, I'm really, really honored to have that opportunity. Um, you know, for people who listen to Cozy, you know you get this opportunity, like I do, to be inspired daily by uh, by people who are really working so hard to make a difference. And, you know, the people that I talk to aren't just interested in solving problems. Um, I think that when you focus just on solving problems, that what you're really doing is you're protecting the status quo and you're not advancing the collective vision. It's hard to, to advance a collective vision. So when you're solving problems, it's not very inspiring. That That is for sure. You know, the focus is on just you know, the status quo, it's hard to inspire people. Um, there's nothing about just solving problems that actually raises the bar for a community. So I'm hoping that the conversations that I'm having with people on Coastview uh, are inspiring because they're, they're, they're telling you that uh, we're telling you, we're showing you through their actions that they are visionaries and they're working hard, whether it's sort of to work in their company to raise the bar or whether it's in their volunteer work where they're raising the bar or maybe it's just just in uh, just for coastal Mississippi that they're focused on helping raise the bar for coastal Mississippi. This collection of wonderful communities that make up coastal Mississippi. But at the end of the day, they're trying to paint a, a vision that is aspirational, because they get this: the moment that you believe that you've arrived at your destination is the day you start to regress. It's the day that you start to go backwards. And there's too much opportunity in coastal Mississippi to even begin to think that we've reached our destination. Man, man, when you look at the attributes that make up this great community, whether it's the people or the scenery or the businesses or, you know, I mean, I always talk about the bookends with Ingalls and Chevron on one end and 
send a space center on the other and all that goes on in between with tourism, et cetera. And when you think about the opportunities we have, man, it, it, it really makes you excited. But I think the thing you got to remember is that our competitors are burning the midnight oil. Our competitors are working 80 hours a week. Uh, they're bloodthirsty. They want our jobs and they want our visitors and they want our economic success. And I, I will say this, that the pandemic actually made them more focused. So coming out of the fan pandemic, believe me, when our competitors see our numbers, they're wanting to understand specifically how did we get those metrics? How did how did Coastal Mississippi become one of the, the leaders in the entire United States in our recovery? They're going to they're gonna learn from us. They're going to burn the midnight oil, and they're going to seek to get our tourists and whatever. So at the end of the day, if we are just protecting the status quo, we are definitely going backwards. We're not inspiring people to kind of move the ball forward, and we're not being as competitive as we need to be. We are in a position to win in coastal Mississippi. So that's one of the reasons why I talk to chamber leaders about their leadership programs. I talk with uh, Ashley Edwards from the Business Council on a regular basis because it's a regional organization that brings CEOs from all across coastal Mississippi focused on raising the bar, on developing strategic plans that say, where are the opportunities for coastal Mississippi and how do we reach those? I could go on and on, but the goal of Coastview is to, is to sort of you know, put those people in the limelight, the people who are working who are burning the midnight oil, who can see the competitors, and who don't want the coast of Mississippi to lose in the scheme of things, and who frankly are driven crazy by those who protect the status quo, whether it be they want their little power or they have their personal agenda or whatever. I mean, every community's got that. That's just the reality. But if we can keep our collective vision together and we can be aspirational, boy, where we can go with this community is literally unlimited. The potential for coastal Mississippi is literally unlimited. I can't say that enough. So uh, without any further ado, I want to move over to my, my guest today, Jonathan Jones, who is the senior vice president and general manager for Harris Gulf Coast and a friend and someone I look forward to really sharing his story. How are you doing, Jonathan? I'm doing well. Thank you. Congratulations on your uh, on your new show. You're a busy man, and I appreciate you fitting me in today. Oh, I appreciate it, man. I've been looking forward to sitting down with you, Jonathan. First of all, I, I, I wanted to give you a voice because you are a leader both in the community and at your company. I love the idea that you grew up in New Orleans. So you're kind of a rare commodity in a way. You know, Certainly, there are exceptions for locally owned casinos, but at the end of the day, a lot of the casino executives, and we're fortunate to have them, are transplants from other areas. <clears throat> and while you were a transplant from another area, you get the sensibilities of the South and this region, the opportunities that we have, the competitive situation. So I look forward to kind of telling your story. So when I was talking in the beginning about raising the bar and being aspirational and whatever, when you, you know, we're, we're going to come back to this in a second, but when you view the opportunities in store for coastal Mississippi, it's got to make you excited about the future. Yeah, no question. You know, and, and to your point about kind of where I grew up, you know, I did grow up in New Orleans. Um, I went to Ole Miss, so I have a special passion for this state and this region, but then moved around a bunch. So, I, you know, I have perspective from Las Vegas and, and feeder markets into Las Vegas, as well as throughout the Midwest. And being here, um, for sure, you know, is, is is exciting for me to be here. And I definitely share your vision for the future of this area. You know, not everywhere's got the high ceiling that we have. Uh, there's some really strong foundational elements here that we are building on, but we need to continue to do that and continue to raise the bar, as you said. 
Well, I've, I've said this from the very beginning, but the role that the gaming community plays in that vision cannot be you know, overstated. <laughs> I mean, you, you, from the moment we pass gaming to be legal here in coastal Mississippi, and of course, after Katrina, the work that we did to get new legislation that allowed land base and so on, we recognized that this was literally going to tr- transform our area. It's not just, not just just because of the talent you guys bring in and the jobs that you have it's it's the visionaries you bring to the table and you got you said it just a second ago but the opportunity that you had to to get some experience outside this area it gives you perspective doesn't it 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 definitely does and you know coming back here um and i you know i've been here for a little while now uh over eight years and i've seen a lot of progress. I've seen a big evolution here for our industry. Um, I've never felt better about the relationship that we have among the GMs here on the coast. Um, we do all share aspirations for more, and and we also agree that we can't do it all ourselves. You know, I mean, we, we do a lot. We're proud of all that we do and the and the contributions to this region in terms of employment and tax revenue, visitation from outside the state. Uh, but I think we all agree that that there could be so much more, and uh, and we're aligned on that. Yeah, I'm 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 glad to see that. You know, and you know what it takes it takes um, takes people who really get it to to be able to sort of buy into what you said because you're competitive, extremely competitive. So, I mean, your goal, you know, I say that. I say that recognizing this, and and the majority of the of the casino executives that I've had on my show, while they do feel that competitiveness and that's important, they understand that the that the cumulative effect of your marketing and bringing people in is good for everyone. So if someone comes to Harris, you're fine if they go to the Hard Rock or Beau Ravage. Talk, talk about that for a second. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think that hadn't always been the case. I think there was a you know, in the old days, people would build casinos with no windows and you didn't want anybody to know what time it was and you wanted to keep them all locked into your place. And and we, we just I don't think we feel that way. We certainly don't hear at Harrah's. You know, when when someone comes here and, and we import all almost all of our business, 85 percent of the business comes from outside of 70 miles, 55 percent comes from outside of 300 miles. When someone comes here, they need to have a full experience. It's not going to take place just within these four walls. You know, we offer a lot here and I'm proud of that. You know, we've got a great pool. We've got great restaurants. We've got a beautiful spa. We have access to a great golf course and the beach. But when someone goes to the Beau Rivage or to the Hard Rock uh, or to Golden Nugget or the Palace, anywhere, Scarlet Pearl, they, they have a they have a better view when they go home of this region and all that it has to offer. And, uh, you know, it's our job to, to make them loyal to us, but I want them to see what all is out there here. I'm looking forward to talking about all those things. One of the things I did is I went to TripAdvisor today over 7,000 reviews and man you have to be very pleased with the number you have there because you know if you don't if you don't bring it <laughs> trip just gonna find it out and it will show in your ratings you guys are very highly ready when we come back we'll continue our conversation with Jonathan Jones from Harris Gulf Coast Coast View on Super Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I-10 Exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coast View. I have Jonathan Jones from the Harris Gulf Coast. And uh, he's a good friend. I, you know, I really like Jonathan because he is so committed to the community. He's from this region, grew up in this region. We'll talk more about that before we get past, uh, get too much further. But I want to talk about Harris Gulf Coast for a second. I mentioned as we were going to, to the break that I always like to go to TripAdvisor and sort of see what people are saying. And man, I was deeply impressed. So how is it that you guys have figured out sort of how to make people happy when they come to Harris Gulf Coast? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, it, it's really what we focus on every day. You know, we talk a lot about we control the things that we can control. And there are some things we don't control. You know, we talked about how competitive this industry is. I don't control where this property is located. I don't control how big or small it is. We certainly know that we don't control the weather down here in coastal Mississippi uh, to an extent, you know, can't control sometimes things break. But we do control the way that we make folks feel when they're here on our property. And I believe it starts with I believe it starts with my coworkers. So we talk about we all have three shared goals here at Harris Gulf Coast. And I think if you walked in here and asked somebody what those are, uh, they'd probably get them right. We start with exceeding each other's expectations. Then we move over to exceeding the expectations of our guests. And then we talk about the business and we just talk about exceeding the business's expectations. But we talk about them in that order on purpose, because we always believe that if we are in a good mood, we like the people we work with and the people that we work for. Uh, we feel good about where we work. We've got tools and supplies to be successful in our jobs. It's easier then to build relationships with guests, to smile with a genuine smile and wave and make folks feel at home. And when we do that, then they go out and do things like give us good reviews on TripAdvisor or call a friend and say, hey, next time come with me when I go. Or I wasn't planning on coming back for a couple months, but I had such a nice time. I'm going to come back next weekend. Those are the things that then take care of the business. So we don't have to talk too much about you know, oh, it's a little slow, need you to knock off early, or we're going to pull certain levers on the expense side. We, we don't really do a whole lot of that. And it's, it's generally been successful. You know, this business, um, you know, talk a lot about some of the investments that we've made and how we've grown. But, you know, in an, in an eight year run or so, um, you know, we, we're about eight times what we were in terms of the financial impact of the bottom line of the company. Uh, and that's, that's been great. You know, and we, we, we have plans to continue to do that, continue to grow for years to come. I love the the three things you mentioned. And number one is something I talked about a lot when I was in business, and that is the importance of internal customers, how we treat each other, and sort of what we bring to the table that complements the people who are around us. And we also spend a lot of time talking about line of sight, you know, what they do and how it affects the, the ultimate goal of the company and how everyone's cumulative efforts come together to achieve that. But that is that is, I mean, I can't say how important that is because at the end of the day, the people are the ones that make the difference. And you know, I, I don't care who I talk to, Jonathan, whether there are people who are doing business here or people from the outside who come to visit here or who grew up here and had to leave and can't wait to get back. They all talk about the same thing, and that is that we all share something in our heart and soul in coastal Mississippi that at the, at the core of this great community are just people who care about each other. I, I'm, there's always going to be exceptions to the rule, but but we learned something for Katrina, and that is that buildings don't make a community, the people make a community, and the key to success in a business like yours is you got to focus on the people, and that's kind of the way it is, isn't it? A hundred percent. I mean, I, I greet every group of new hires, and, and, and we've got a lot of them now, uh, so every week, you know, I, I introduce myself, I talk to them for 30 minutes, and, you know, we, we talk... Uh, almost completely about that. You know, I share with them that they're, 
they are now part of our number one competitive advantage. And that's the group of people that work here. And I tell them, look, I've worked all over the country. Uh, I'm a gambler. I'm a, I'm a diner. I'm a hotel lodger at competitors. And I've been basically all over this industry. And this team here at Harris Gulf Coast is the best team I've ever seen in action. And they're now a part of that team. And, you know, I'm lucky to be able to work alongside over 110 people who have been here for over 25 years. So you know the history of this industry and you know the history of this property, but to have that many people that are still kind of the core of the culture here, uh, is, I, I couldn't be more proud and, and humbled by that opportunity to work alongside those folks. And so when new folks come in, you know, I tell them, look, you're now part of our number one competitive advantage. My job is really just to put you all in a position to be as successful as you can be. Uh, you know, I give everybody my cell phone number, my email address, and, and, and we rely on their feedback to ensure that we are accomplishing our number one goal of exceeding each other's expectations. You think but about also make, you know, make ahead, no mistake about it. Like we acknowledge we're human and we aren't perfect. And so to the extent that we have exceeded their expectations, then we acknowledge they have a new set of expectations that we then need to kind of continue. You talked about earlier, raise the bar. And so it's we're never done. We never say, you know, we know we're doing this right. With any of our three goals, uh, we come to work every day knowing we're going to make mistakes and and we got to learn from them and continue to move on and continue to get better. One of your employees is only as good as their last performance. The collective group is only as good as their last performance. Your company is only as good as the, the region is only as good as our last performance. We got to wake up tomorrow morning and do it all over again. And hopefully we are raising the bar. That's that's the key to success. You know, I thought it was interesting looking at your bio because you know, we and you and I have talked in the past about how Katrina's, you know, pre-Katrina and post-Katrina is so much in the sort of the mindset of, of coastal Mississippians in so many different ways. And in 2005, I always wonder where is someone in 2005 in their career? And in 2005, you were in Laughlin, Nevada. You were going, you were, you were joining Caesars Entertainment. And, um, uh, you know, it's, it's so interesting to look back now. It seems like Katrina was just yesterday, but it was really 16 years ago. Since you joined uh, uh, Caesars Entertainment in 2005, you've kind of, you've had this great opportunity to prepare yourself for when you ultimately came here just a little over eight years ago. Tell me a little bit about that path. Yeah, great question. So I was sitting in the employee dining room at Harris Laughlin when Katrina hit and I had spent some time on the phone with my parents who were living in New Orleans at the time. My dad had become one of those, you know, I'm tired of leaving guys. And, and uh, you know, they, they saw this one coming. And, and so we were fortunate in our efforts to, to get him to get in the car and, and head west. They went to Houston, um, you know, but I had a lot of family in New Orleans and, and was, uh, you know, was disturbed by everything that had gone on. So fast forward. February of 06 was when Harris New Orleans was able to reopen. Um, and then in August of 06, this business then known as Grand Casino Biloxi was getting ready to reopen. And a big part of me just had this sense of like, I need to get home and, and, and help. And there was there were a few opportunities for me coming out of uh, coming out of Laughlin and Las Vegas um, to go in different directions in my career. But I think it was that sense of just I want to go down and be part of the solution. So I took an opportunity to come work in database marketing for the two properties. I was based in New Orleans, but spent really a ton of time over here as, as we figured out reopening and figured out what the marketplace was like. We were merging two databases together and we were just learning a whole lot and applying those learnings to this business. And so 
I, I did that for a little over a year, um, had an opportunity to go work directly for the central division president as his executive associate, which was kind of a finance role uh, for the central division, which at that time was Louisiana, Mississippi, Iowa, and Missouri. Um, I joke that I don't think I was very good at that job because I was only in it for about eight months, but it opened up a door for me in Missouri. So I went to our property in St. Louis, uh, was vice president of casino marketing there, then went into an operational role. And I, and I tell emerging leaders about this. Um, you know, I went from a vice president level back down to a director level to do something that I knew I needed to do to be able to get to a level that I'm at now. Um, so I actually took a demotion and went and worked in our kind of lean Six Sigma uh, business process improvement, which exposed me to all the different areas of the operation, deep immersion into, you know, really every aspect of the business. Did that for a year, then went to Horseshoe, Southern Indiana, lived in Louisville, Kentucky. I was basically the number two there in charge of operations. And I made it 18 months in that job, which at that time was the longest I'd ever had a job in my entire life. And I Someone asked me about that and I counted them all up. I had had 22 jobs in 20 years going back to high school. And I was proud of that. Uh, but then this opportunity came up um, in early 2012 and uh, loved the opportunity to come down here and, and uh, be the general manager here. Yeah, so so interesting to hear your perspective on Katrina and you know what you were doing in 2005 because I knew you had that connection back to New Orleans. and. Um, it really does change your perspective when you've got family members who are who, who are going to get Im impacted. But growing up, growing up in New Orleans was a real opportunity for you um, to to build a, a value system. To you know, you had I think you said you went to Jesuit, and what a great education I think that was. But tell me about growing up in New Orleans. Yeah, you know, I, I'm 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 so proud of that, you know, and 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 love that city and and go visit all the time. Um, you know, we, we try to do as much during Mardi Gras as we can. I actually ride in a couple parades during Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Um, I'm I'm married to I, I met later on my wife Jennifer, and and she's also from New Orleans. Her folks still live there. Um, so so deep deep roots in the city of New Orleans. Um, you know, I think it gave me great perspective on things in a couple ways. Um, you know, when I got to Ole Miss. Uh, you know, we had been around, we had, we had been around kind of partying and going out and stuff in New Orleans uh, a lot earlier than some of the folks up there. So some of the maturity levels were, were higher, I think, for those of us from New Orleans. Um, but I also, you know, Jesuit High School was a great place to grow up, very diverse, uh, you know, and, and, and proud of my relationships and connections from there as well. Why don't we do this? I want to continue to talk about that part of your life, and then we're going to shift gears and talk about why is it that you put so much energy in the community? You put a lot of energy into volunteer work, and most people in your, because at least I hope that most people in your position understand the relationship between your business success and the community success, but you clearly get that. We'll talk about that as well. As well. This is Jonathan Jones from Harris Gulf Coast, and we'll continue the conversation after this break. Now, it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews, brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome back to Coast View. I want to tell you a quick story. I have Jonathan Jones from Harris Gulf Coast with me, but Jonathan, I want to tell you a quick story. I was, um, I can't remember, maybe I was operations director or marketing director. I can't remember what my position was at the time with the Sun-Herald, but I was involved in launching sort of the annual United Way kickoff. And um, 
It wasn't long after the Ala Capri had opened, so I went by to meet with Tim Hinckley. And uh, we wanted them to be involved in the kickoff. And so we're having this conversation. And during the conversation, Tim was, you know, just talking about, you know, this do this and may have some great ideas and whatever. And he says, okay, how many helium balloons uh, are you guys going to do? And I said, oh, we got that covered. Well, how many? He said, I said, a few hundred. No, no, no. We want 10,000 balloons. It was at that moment that it hit me that this... (laughs) this breed of executives that we're transplanting into coastal Mississippi have a whole different, different perspective about everything, literally everything. And that by bringing them here, transplanting, transplanting their ideas and their drive, their competitive spirit, it was going to help sort of raise the bar for coastal Mississippi. Um, you see that every day in what you're doing, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that's a, that's a great story about Tim. You know, a lot of my friends and my wife joke that, what I do every day is just sit around and make sure there's an equal amount of blueberries in every muffin, you know, from the movie Casino, uh, Ace Rothstein, a lot of Ace, Ace Rothstein jokes. But no, I mean, as part of Caesars Entertainment, look, we're exposed to the best practices, frankly, in the industry. You know, I was at Caesars Palace a couple of weeks ago taking a lot of notes. You know, I go to all of the different properties. We look at what's new, what's working, what's not working. Um, we, were, we were the beneficiaries here of uh, a significant amount of capital to renovate our hotel back in 2016. And it was it was kind of a lucky thing that the room remodel for the Harris brand had been done for Harris Las Vegas, but the company was dealing with some balance sheet issues and didn't quite have the capital to do 3,000 rooms. They wanted to just do 500. So I got to leapfrog all of the other Harris properties and install this new brand standard hotel room. And we got $14 million to redo our hotel. And it was needed at the time. You know, those were the old rooms from... 06 when we reopened and it was time to redo them 10 years later. Uh, but that comes from kind of the inspiration we get by being in this industry from all over the country and frankly, all over the world. So uh, we'll, 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 we'll pass up a continued conversation about growing up in New Orleans, but you went to Ole Miss and you actually went to Vanderbilt to the Owen Graduate School of Management. And, uh, you know, having this opportunity, even though you were still kind of figuring out what you were going to do with your life, the opportunities to be in in uh, Nashville during that time, because the Nashville was emerging, downtown in Nashville. Look at where Nashville is today. But that was a really impo- important moment in your in your life, uh, spending that time in Nashville and going to graduate school there, wasn't it? It definitely was. I mean, you know, um, I spent the first part of my professional life after undergraduate all in sales. So I was in the healthcare role, but I was a staffing recruiter, and it was a relationship business. Then I moved into the beverage industry and I was actually the first salesman of Red Bull energy drink uh, in West Tennessee and central and East Arkansas. But it was a sales job. And and deep down, and, and I tell folks I'm a closet nerd, I'm, I'm much more comfortable with data and numbers and, you know, obviously, you know, a little bit of relationship building ability as well. So, but I didn't know what to do with all that. So I went back to school to figure that out. Um, and, and quick story. I don't know if this is funny or telling about me, but I had four opportunities coming out of business school. One was with RJ Reynolds in Winston-Salem. One was with Brown Foreman in Louisville, Kentucky. One was with a consumer packaged goods company called Sarah Lee, but it was actually in their women's intimates division. They owned Haynes Herway. And that was also in Winston-Salem and then Caesars Entertainment. So the fact that I had an offer to go work for companies that did smoking, drinking, gambling, and underpants was sort of uh, a time where I had to do some self-reflection. But I chose this industry 
Um, I chose this company and I hadn't looked back. I mean, it's a perfect mix of dealing with people um, and tons and tons of data and numbers and analytics that you can get your head around and get your arms around. Um, and, and, you know, but back to your point of being in Nashville and being at Vanderbilt, you know, it was a great mixture of all sorts of folks. We had folks coming off of Wall Street, coming in to get their MBAs and going back. We had folks coming in from large consulting firms and we had all kinds of folks um, you know, with us and it, and it really solidified my desire to be in an industry like this. And the opportunities to learn and get better, you know, the bigger the organization, the more competitive it is internally and the more you have to be on your game. So, and, and you know, we, we work in a numbers oriented world. So the fact that you're sort of a data nerd, I get that. So am I, you have to, you have to be comfortable with the balance sheet. You have to be com comfortable with the income statement. You have to understand how all that stuff flows. And we live in a metrics world, man. We, we're, we're literally benchmarking everything. And that makes you better. That helps you find the best practices. That helps you, you know, uh, tweak things. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, the same thing is true, whether you're talking about Harris Gulf Coast or Caesars Entertainment or Coastal Mississippi as a region. You've got to be aware of where the opportunities for improvement are where the opportunities for growth are that's what that's what it's all about but you have always been involved as i said before we went to a break in the community you you see the role that you play to build a strong company that contributes to the community in the ways that you do but also you need to contribute to building a stronger community what what's behind that yeah so i think a couple things i mean one is this is as you mentioned a couple times this is a super competitive industry and everything that we do represents our brand. And, you know, when I first got here, I kind of recognized we, we had a little bit of an identity crisis, a lot of discussion about the grand and what it was like pre-Katrina. And, and that goes into the bucket of things that we really can't control. You know, we are who we are. Um, the brand didn't really resonate as well anymore. We, we are part of a larger organization with great brands. Um, and a quick side note on that, you know, we, we, made the decision to rebrand to Harrah's. And I think it was assumed that because of the city we operate in, we would be Harrah's Biloxi. And we did some research on that and we talked to some folks and we kind of get, and we may talk more about this later, but we, we understand that it's bigger than one city, it's bigger than one county. And so we intentionally chose the brand Harrah's Gulf Coast. So now we've got a brand, we've got a strong culture here. How do we represent ourselves in the community is, is critical. And it's not just me. I mean, the entire executive team here, I would say, is, is very involved in the community. Um, we listen to our employees. You know, I, I joke with them that, you know, I've been on the board for the Humane Society of South Mississippi. I've been heavily involved. I've been the president of that board more than once, um, been involved in, uh, in that organization for a long time. And it's not because pets are good gaming customers, but it happens to be the number one thing that when we ask our employees, what are you guys passionate about? What should we be involved in? The group of folks here at Harris Gulf Coast really care about animal welfare. So I want to represent them. I want to represent all of us and our brand in the community. It's important that we're out there and folks know that we are philanthropic. Um, but also, I think uniquely in this community, and this is not a knock on this community, but through all it's been through, this is a needy community and it needs folks like me and my coworkers to to get involved and move the needle and and and. Finally, just because we continue to see so much opportunity here, um, you know, we want to be part of the solution. Yeah, I, I, I get that so clearly what you just said, that volunteerism is sort of one of the things that brings us together. So we may have 
different points of view about politics and all these other things. But when there are natural disasters that have unfortunately reoccurred in coastal Mississippi, whether it be the oil spill or Katrina or whatever it is, that has a way of sort of stripping everything away for a second and saying, okay, now, how can I help my neighbor? You know, how, how can I help this community be better? And I talk about, you know, uh, former President Bush's thousand points of light on the show all the time that you have these nonprofit organizations that are out there working, but then you have these thousand points of light that come in, people that come in to volunteer for those organizations or, or they maybe are filling a gap that exists over here, or maybe a gap over there. And that's what makes a community so powerful. I mean, that's what... That's why I think this this notion of take everything away for a second, all the conflict we see in society, and we focus on how do we help our neighbors. And there's, there are more people in Mississippi and more people on the coast of Mississippi than the rest of the nation, actually. We're, we're constantly number one, two, or three in the nation in terms of per capita giving. And it's not just giving of your, your money, but it's your time and your energy. There's something special about that. And there's a commitment that comes from that, isn't there, Jonathan? Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, and I'm glad you connected those dots. It's not just a needy community. It's a very giving community. So th so those yeah. two things do definitely come together. Um, and, and it is a commitment. But but I but I love your point about, you know, how it can be galvanizing. You know, it, we, I've been on nominating committees before of boards, and we talk a lot about diversity, and, and we, we think that's critical. And as I think about some of the boards that I've sat on, when we are together, we talk about the organization and we talk about strategic issues and we talk about moving the needle and raising the bar. If I had to sit there and, and, and think about what a conversation about politics or, or any kind of current events, social issues, whatever, how that might go, there's no telling. I'm sure we'd all learn from each other and get better, but we would not be aligned on things like we are uh, when it comes to, to philanthropic issues, volunteerism and improving the community that we live and work in. Well, I, for one, appreciate your leadership in the community, and I'm so privileged. I mean, one of the reasons I came back out of retirement, I'm still retired, but I, you know, I do the show daily, is because I want to be connected to the community. I enjoy, that's the thing I enjoy about being a publisher, is the opportunity to, to be engaged and, and help the community. And the, the, the opportunity to showcase with people like you who are working so hard in their careers to make a difference in their companies, but also working so hard in the community to build a better community. And I'm honored to have that opportunity. When we when we come back with uh, Jonathan Jones, who is the Senior Vice President and General Manager for Harris Gulf Coast, we're, I want to talk just a little bit about your leadership role in helping sort of raise the bar as it, as, as it in, involves uh, the Coastal Mississippi tourism effort. When we come back, we'll have that conversation. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. And as I mentioned um, so many times when I do this show, I'm inspired when I have the opportunity to talk to people like Jonathan Jones. Um, we're lucky in Coastal Mississippi that we attract people like Jonathan here who are so dedicated, who are burning the midnight oil, not only to build better businesses so they can employ more people and make an impact in that way, but also giving back to the community. And Jonathan, more recently, you sort of paired up with Travis Lund, the general manager from, from the Beau Rivage, 
to start to focus on how can we sort of get past this this clutter that we're in right now as it relates to coastal Mississippi tourism and get our eye back on the big ball, which is is thinking regional, regionally about tourism in a way that helps advance the ball so we don't have all this noise going on. What's your current thinking about all that? Yeah, you know, so go all the way back. You know, I had just gotten here um, when the entity was established and, and, you know, I realized and recognized a lot of work went into that and I was fully bought into that. You know, it made a lot of sense to me coming in from the outside that this is a region. And I, I touched on, you know, we chose Harris Gulf Coast as the name of this property intentionally. Um, and so, so just by and large, I'm bought into the notion that when folks experience this region, not just one property, one city, one county, uh, they have a better impression and that's how we're going to continue to grow. Over time, you know, I, I did go to some meetings and, and you know, recognize some opportunities for improvement. Um, you know, there's been some change in leadership, but there was a couple years there where things were working pretty well and we started to see some momentum. You know, one of the things that I paid attention to was the share of voice that our industry got from coastal Mississippi. We saw that start to really improve under Milton's leadership, and we were we were happy with that and proud of that. And and, and things were moving along, and and we're starting to put some points on the board. You know, we're seeing visitation uh, increases and, and and good volumes and and smart thinking and a data driven approach. Uh, coming out of the pandemic, couldn't be more proud of our performance as a region and as a destination. And it can't be overshared that of all the fifty states in the country. We were down the least coming out of the pandemic. And within that state, our region drove that visitation, those tourism numbers. So we were the best. I'll just say it like that. And we and we were proud of that. Uh, things started to change a little bit and I started seeing some headlines, you know, and I've got a lot to do. So this is not something that I really wanted to have to pay a lot of attention to. Um, but you start to hear about, you know, county lines being split with votes and bylaws changes and things going going in a sort of different direction and our attention perked up a little bit. And so to your question, you know, Travis and I represent uh, MGM and Caesars and those are two of the largest gaming companies. Uh, we share our kind of vision for this region in terms of having a lot more upside. We share pride in the numbers that we've been able to generate. We also share a little bit of concern with the current state of things and so you know we're good friends now um and and we decided to sort of discuss with the rest of our colleagues down here make sure everyone's aligned and and they are um and so we're, we're proud to lead that effort and just hopeful that you know this is an opportunity for us this is an opportunity to move to the next level this this thing was created in 2013. this is an interesting time right now where we find ourselves on the brink of potentially going in the wrong direction but would love to see us kind of move things to the next level uh, with this opportunity and excited to be able to help with that. Well, one of the, you know, I had the, the pleasure of um, sharing the uh, tourism planning effort for the governor's commission after Hurricane Katrina. And one of the major recommendations we made coming out of that effort was that we had to focus on this region from a tourism point of view. And it took a long time. I mean, from Katrina in 2005, 2006, as we developed that plan, and all the way to 2013, there were a couple of tries at it. We finally got it done. But, you know, as part of a maturation process, as a maturing process for, for a region, you don't always arrive at the best solution the first time you, you go at it. You, I mean, that's just, man, that's just reality. I mean, if, you, if anybody thought we reached a destination in that moment, 
you know, they're wrong about that. What we what we found though was that we made it we made a major step toward regional um, regional tourism, and and that maybe there are other opportunities for regionalism. By the way, as we go forward, but you know, and this is a really sort of an important example of that. But there's going to be moments that you have to say, okay, where are we, and how can we improve it? I mean, that's kind of where we are. We found that certain people had a little too much control and one or two personalities can change a course of history. We don't want that on a board. We don't want that on any board. We want an independent board who can make decisions. And the thing that I often say, and it's got to be a big concern to you and Travis, is that you have to have people on the board who have a dog in the hunt. You just have to. You have to have people from the industry that are sort of controlling things. We have less than a minute left. What's your thoughts about that? Well, I agree. I mean, you know, and I think there's been there's been some of that in the past, but we seem to have lost the focus on that. And uh, and and you know, we we are certainly paying attention to that. You know, we we we've got people that we work with that are frankly better better than we are at understanding what moves the needle in today's digital environment. And uh, you know, there's there's a lot of talent in this market um, that that can really help us. Uh, you know, showcase all that we have to offer here in coastal Mississippi. And I and I want to point out quickly. You know, you mentioned, you know, the kind of the evolution here. I, I am am aware of the challenges that our coast delegation faces when they go to Jackson and they fight for us, for the coast. And I'm concerned more about, about that and the harm of our reputation as a region in Jackson for things like BP funds and stimulus money and all the things that they go up there and fight for. If we can't agree on tourism in this region, I don't know that we're going to be able to represent ourselves as aligned on anything else. And 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 that concerns me more, you know, for the long term. I, I can't agree more. I uh, often said that when I was publisher of the Sun Hill and Roland kind of drove this in my head that we, we for so long we fought so much among ourselves. Jackson didn't have to pay attention to us. The reason why we had to come together as one coast is to find our common issue. We're going we're gonna to disagree about a lot of things, but we're going to find our common issues. So when we go to Jackson, we can speak with one voice. We got to get back to that place. And I think we're moving in that direction. I think we got the great, we got great leadership who's not going to let the dust settle around this issue, and we're going to advance the ball. And we'll look forward to staying in touch with you and Travis as we go forward, and we'll continue the conversation. But we're out of time for today. Tra- uh, tell Travis we said hello, and Jonathan, we really appreciate you telling your story. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. You bet. And have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.